This is She Sparks Tech, a podcast about women who take technology to heart in their careers. We will explore stories about women who think creatively, find new directions, solve problems, and chase passions, all through technology. I'm your host, Casey Bertelsman, and I'm excited about showcasing amazing women in their careers, from dreams to the unexpected, in hopes of inspiring each of us to think bigger. In this episode, my guest is Kristen Johnson, an account executive at Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. She shares how technology plays a role in her sales position. She has worked in sales for professional sports for about three years and uses technology every day to provide the best service possible. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. A little nervous. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Kristen, your current role is as an account executive at Prudential Center specializing in group events. Yes. Can you give me a little overview of what your day-to-day looks like? Yeah, so I'm in charge of prospecting, pitching, selling, and renewing um, group ticket sales for our events. Um just live at Prudential Center, arranging from New Jersey Devils games is now what I currently specialize in. In the past, it was family shows. So your typical Disney on Ice shows, Monster Jam, um, Harlem Globetrotters, those types of kid-friendly events. Um, And so a group would be typically 10 or more people at a time buying in bulk together a ticket package. Um, So there's like a lot of different groups that will take advantage of our group ticket program that we have, ranging from schools and preschools. Those are the main ones I worked with to corporate partnership groups, um, B2B sales. Those types of groups also come in droves to our venue. Um, And then family friendly or family and friend groups, as well as nonprofits. So there's like a whole host of different types of groups of people that we accommodate. Okay. Um, And just for anyone who doesn't know what B2B stands for, can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. So it's business to business. So it would be us um, at Prudential Center reaching out to another business, like for a random example, JP Morgan. Um, And the JP Morgan group would be using our product for a business purpose, whether that's to entertain their current clients to reward employees for reaching a milestone or a goal or celebrating like an employee party, something like that. That's typically what B2B or business to business is. We also use it for networking events, sales presentations, anything that you can really use it as a business purpose. That's what they come to as a B2B sale. Okay, perfect. Thank you for elaborating on that. Um, And then once they become a contact and we actually have like a sales conversation and they're interested in buying a product, I can refer to our secondary ticketing software program, which is linked to Salesforce also. 
and then we're able to actually like string together revenues and, and predict buying habits from there. So would you say that the majority of people you work with use that software in a very similar manner? So everybody in our sales department, not just the group sales team, uses Salesforce. Um, So everyone on our client retention team, um, people who sell new season ticket products, uh, people who sell suite products, we have our own specialties at my workplace and all of us still use Salesforce. So I'm also able to go in and see what my colleague uh, Joe is doing um, on, you know, the ABC company Salesforce page. I can see what their activities are and how they're engaging. Um, that's, that's shared throughout our sales department. So would you ever have an application where, you know, Joe is working with a company and um, it's not necessarily for group sales, but you would collaborate using the information you've both found and put into Salesforce, or is it not used that way for you guys? Actually, um, I am teamed up with someone on our premium sales team. We share one account based in Connecticut who uh, they, they're an HR firm and they use networking events at our arena to sell for businesses in New Jersey. Um, and so they'll use not only family shows, which is what I special, but they'll also go to the, the higher tiered concerts, um, anything from like Jennifer Lopez to Justin Bieber, that type of caliber. Um, they'll use the premium department suites for um, like the same purpose. Um, and so I share that account with someone else on a different department. Okay. And uh, Salesforce does a good job in their user design of the software for you guys to work collaboratively with ease. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can see what my colleague is writing, what types of conversations they're having. Um, If it's a phone call versus an email exchange, we're able to see all of that on the same Salesforce page. That sounds like it really makes it a lot easier to do your job for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to like keep calling your same colleague and saying, how did that conversation go? What did he say? Blah, blah, blah. And you're, um, you're able to just see it on your own. Um, and you don't necessarily have to like follow up just to talk about how it went and what next steps are. And you don't have to call someone after whoever just gave them a phone call and have to have the awkward. I just told your coworker this. Yeah, and exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's how your sales team uses the software. Do you have right. other departments like marketing that use the software also? Yeah. So we have an email marketing team that will design basic marketing emails. Sent for, it, it looks like it comes from the New Jersey Devils team um, to a consumer and you're able to see that through Salesforce. Um, they design it through Salesforce, and then it's just like a one-click send to hundreds of thousands of people who are subscribed into our email database. Um, and it could be like like this past summer, we got the seventh 
pick overall and we just blasted like the entire New Jersey Devils database. Hey, we got the number seven pick. Um, and it was like a very generic email, but that's sent through Salesforce as well. The email list that is generated for that, is that partially made from the contacts that you input or is it only people who sign up for it? So both, um, Anyone who's invested in a product through our sales department, so our group sales, our premium sales, our season ticket sales, they are subscribed to that. And then anyone who purchases through Ticketmaster, which is an NHL partner, they're also subscribed into that. So I'm pretty sure like when you're buying tickets on Ticketmaster, there's an option to like opt out but most people don't click that. So they're automatically subscribed in when they buy tickets to a New Jersey Devils game on Ticketmaster directly. Okay. Do you know if Salesforce is directly the software used for all of the email blasts or if it collaborates with another software to do that? As far as I'm aware, we do use Salesforce pretty strictly. Um, I really have not heard of anything else that we've used to send like an e-blast. Yeah, it sounds like it's very cumulative. I just wasn't sure. Um, kind yeah, because like on, on all of our contacts own pages on Salesforce, I'm able to see that they got the last e-blast we sent out. And so you could follow up with someone and be like, hey, you know, we yeah. sent out this email, wanted to see if you were interested in first pick kind of options. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we actually just did one last week and we're scheduling follow-up calls with our group leaders for this next week based on what we just sent out about an upcoming payment. Um, so we'll send like very general emails out and then it's the salesperson's job to follow up with that and make sure it happens. So have you used software other than Salesforce? Like you said, Microsoft had an option, um, like in any previous roles? Um, I haven't used a different, uh, customer relationship management tool before. Um, back when I was in college, we actually had a class that was dedicated to teaching Salesforce technology. Um, but I haven't really tried it out on any of the other brands of CRM, I guess you could call it. Um, from what my industry peers have told me who have used both, they would prefer Salesforce over, uh, Dynamics. Okay. Um, so you wouldn't say that they're would be a situation where one of the softwares would be more applicable to XYZ situation. I wouldn't say so. I mean, it's like comparing like Pepsi and Coca-Cola. It's pretty much the same thing. It's just different brands um, and different styles and flavors. You know? Yeah. So it'd be like a Google doc versus a Microsoft word doc. Exactly. Okay. Um, so it sounds like Salesforce has a lot of different options as far as software goes. How would you say that this technology improves your ability to do your job? 
I could not do my job without it. Um, like I said, it's how we, it's first of all, how we uh, track our tasks, which is how we're measured as sellers. How many calls are we making? How many LinkedIn messages are we sending? Emails, um, any type of outside communication. That's how we're measured on our performance and it comes up for our reviews. Um, and then it's also really important for us to be using it every day just to build opportunities where um, it creates like a funnel system for forecasted revenue. So we're not going to close every opportunity that we make, but like a fraction of those will close. And it's important for us to continually build those on Salesforce. It's how we predict how much money will come into the company in the next week, in the next month, in the next year. Um, so we're able to do that on Salesforce as well. And then I mentioned it earlier, it's linked to our secondary ticketing system, which is from Ticketmaster. It's our backend version of Ticketmaster. Um, so we're able to see the customer's lifetime revenue, how frequently they purchase, when they purchase, um, when they scan into the arena, there's a timestamp on it. Um, so all of that helps us to further develop our customer journey from the point of contact all the way to the point of sale and execution of their purchase. So the backend portion of Ticketmaster that you see is it only for events held at your center or could you see um, the full history for that? Yeah, so it's, it's only for events at our venue, um, whether that's a New Jersey Devils game, whether that's a concert, a family show, um, a Seton Hall basketball game, if they purchase through our premium department for that we're able to see every product they've purchased for an event at Prudential Center. And you can see, you know, do they go for pre-show events? Are they trying to get freebies handed out or um, that, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it would depend on the event for that. Um, you can see what it is if you know the prices of like the pre-show access, um, anything like that we would be able to see, but it would take like some digging to actually do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not something that's always useful. Some of those right. details. Right. I think bigger picture, we care more about what types of products they purchase and how much they spend so that we can make a recommendation in the ballpark of what they typically do and cut them a better deal. Yeah, so if they're going to see Disney on Ice, they might not want to go see Lizzo in concert. Right, that's not necessarily true, but it could Yeah. Be. Uh, and that's the seller's job to also ask what types of events they like to go to. Who's their favorite artist? What would the dream event at Prudential Center be? Um, we can see how many tickets they've purchased too. Um, and if it's like usually eight tickets, we can typically walk that up into a group sale of 10 tickets or more because overall they would be spending um, less cash on a group sale than they are with eight tickets plus all of the Ticketmaster fees. 
So when you're doing group sales, all of your interactions with clients would not include a Ticketmaster sale, correct? Say that again? If you are like working with me and I'm trying to get a group group event put together and buy tickets, I'm purchasing through you and not Ticketmaster. Exactly. That's correct. So that's where that uh, the discount comes in because I'm not paying a Ticketmaster fee. Right. Plus the number yeah, of tickets. Cause, yeah, because those Ticketmaster fees can end up being more expensive than the tickets themselves. I have definitely seen that when I've bought tickets before. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the biggest benefits that we advertise as far as coming out as a group. Um, we show them, some of them we actually have to walk through with them on the internet how, how much these same tickets cost at a group rate, what the final cost is. And then they try adding those seats on Ticketmaster. There's a ticket limit on Ticketmaster and then they try to check out. And they see all of the fees on a ledger line together. And they're like, this is ridiculous. And they end up buying group tickets. So Yeah, it's, you know, it adds up like airline fees do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you had said that you will contact people through LinkedIn sometimes. Um, do you strictly use LinkedIn or do you use do you use other forms of social media in your role? Does that play a part at all? It, it does. Um, I would say LinkedIn messaging is great for B2B sales that we were referring to earlier, um, where I'm prospecting anything from insurance agencies to accounting firms, law firms, HR management, um, Anything like that, I would probably use LinkedIn. And then for the family shows, I was very much using Facebook messaging. Um, and right now I'm on a big yoga campaign of all things. <laughs> so um, a lot of them have Facebook pages. So it's easier to contact them through Facebook, especially if they don't have a pre-existing website. Um, if you try to use their website too, they're, I think they're more likely to respond because they're actively checking their website and notifications. But um, a lot of websites will not include a phone number or they won't include the email. Um, and most websites will include links to social. So we go and interact with them on Facebook. Um, me personally, it's, it's a personal decision. I tend to stick to just Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, and then I'll find their contact information also on Yelp, but I won't contact them through Yelp, if that makes sense. Yes. How much of your day, like a typical day or a typical week, would you say is spent contacting new potential clients in LinkedIn or on Facebook, or you spend searching for them versus going off of a list of contacts that you have on the CRM system? Yeah, so I'll answer that in two parts. Um, 
part of the time is spent actually prospecting and building out leads that don't exist in our database. We actually have to go in and manually add each one. So that can take a lot of time. Um, I try to dedicate at least an hour every day to just prospecting new leads to build a new funnel. Um, And then from there, I probably spend the rest of the time just outbound calling. Um, Since I did have to shift roles this past summer, I have to start from scratch as far as building a brand new book of business. Um, And so that's been all prospecting and all cold calling this summer to make new relationships. Okay. Would you say that you have a favorite part of what you do on a day-to-day basis? Um, I don't know if anyone has like seen this happen before, but when, when the show initially starts or when the game like first starts, the sense of like excitement on everybody's faces will be watching in the stands and everyone sees it like start right away and we just see like this immediate explosion of the happiness and I'm like this is awesome <laughs> so it's like that that millisecond of a moment when it first starts um, and it's like all of your hard work has finally come to life yeah it's that culmination of the, the effort you put in that you actually get to see something out of it yeah exactly So I know you have had not necessarily a few different roles, but kind of different sections of work. Have they all been with the same overarching company or how, how is, how, how have your transitions kind of worked? Yeah, that's a great question because there's been a lot. Um, I started as an entry level sales associate with the New Jersey Devils. And then about three months in, our all of our teams merged into one conglomerate company called Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. And I had to actually move um, south of our office to, uh, to the Camden office with the 76ers. And then my role was to sell for the 76ers too, in addition to the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> so that was a lot. Um, And then I had like a few sales here and there throughout the Prudential Center entertainment event business with the concerts and the family shows and those types of things. So they saw a revenue potential. They built out the department for group sales for the family shows and they promoted me and I was the pioneer seller for it. Um, And I've been doing that since 2018. And then this past year with the coronavirus, um, our main promoter has actually laid off a few people that we've worked with and we're not sure what family shows will look like next year. Um, Like we're hoping for a family show season. Right now we're um, just focusing on the New Jersey Devils at this point. So I've had like a small book of business to work with throughout this time that I've built over time. Um, and now it's full force New Jersey Devils. So you have seen a fairly big impact to your day-to-day in the past, 
what, six months as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, we haven't been in our office since March 13th. So um, it's all working from home. We, have, we haven't hosted a live event since that week. Um, our last event we hosted was a New Jersey Devils game. And then that was on a Tuesday. And then uh, the Sunday before was our last concert. It was Celine Dion. Um, and then the following week, we were supposed to host Billie Eilish. And that was postponed. <laughs> so when events get postponed or canceled or whatever variety of not happening with these group sales, do you personally interact with all those groups to figure out what's happening on their end? Yeah, this was like a very special circumstance. Um, we're more about building relationships and making sure each customer has the best experience possible because to us that means that they will continue to drive sales for us and that's what businesses do or that's what they want um we were willing to work with them as far as what they wanted so some people said you know just hold the money on account we'll use it for a game next year that was easy. Some people were like, we don't know if our business is going to exist. So we issued refunds. And then um, other people for the events that were just postponed, they're able to hold on to their tickets or they can contact Ticketmaster if they bought online for a refund. Um, it's really up to each individual person's circumstances and what they want to do, but we're not fighting. Um to like keep money or anything we're not evil people <laughs> yeah and it's you know it's like you said it's we can, no one could have predicted these circumstances there's no yeah rule book for how you're supposed to go about it uh we're all trying to figure things out one step at a time and do what's best for exactly. everyone exactly um, the whole entertainment landscape is changing, and I, I never saw this coming. This was a, a blindsided hit. It was crazy. Um, but now we're working to ensure a healthy return to play, return to live shows, um, making sure the stadium is clean and efficiently running, even more so than it was before. Um, I think it was 2019, um, ESPN actually did a ranking of all of the big four venues in America from um, Heinz Park in Pittsburgh to the Staples Center in LA. Um, every single live event venue like that that hosts sports teams, they did a cleanliness analysis and Prudential Center actually ranked number six in America for the cleanest arena. Um, so that that what we were doing in the past is going to be even more magnified at a higher scale as far as keeping it clean and sanitary, um, like for the years to come, because this pandemic has really hit us hard. And um, I know, like, that's something that we want to do. Yeah. And personally, as I'm like a little bit of a germaphobe, I use hand sanitizer pretty yeah. often. I feel like public places where you have so many people it's not hard to have or it's rare that you have too much cleanliness 
Um, there's always a line, yeah. but. Yeah, I don't think people are going to complain if we're extra clean. Um, but a lot of people are asking us, you know, what are you going to do? Um, we have a partnership with a third party janitorial staff. Um, they, they came every day, even days we didn't host events and they were continually cleaning restrooms. They were emptying trash. They, um, one thing I I know we'll start doing is including more hand sanitizer stations throughout the arena, not just in the bathrooms, um, and then I'm pretty sure just from a comfortability standpoint, a lot of people will still be wearing masks when we return, even if it's not state required. Um, that's also going to go a long way in, in helping us return to play. And so I know that your degree is in sales and marketing, and it sounds like a lot of what you're doing does very much relate to that. How closely would you say your work is to what you expected it to be? Um, I would say very much so what I expected. Um, If you were outside looking in, it would look like I'm just on the phone all day calling people, trying to sell them our products because it's for a common purpose for the most part for their group to come out and enjoy our live events. It's very basic. Um, But on our end, it's a lot bigger picture. It's about upgrading experiences for a higher dollar cost. It's about returning members back to our arena so that we can have um, additional sales from the same accounts. Um, And then just overall, I'm also in charge of just making sure that experiences are executed too. So not just going to a game and sitting in your seat. That's not the only thing I sell. I also sell post-game photos on the ice. I'm in charge of actually making that happen and mascot visits and um, like high five tunnels where you can meet the players before they go on the ice. Those types of experiences are only available through our group ticket sales program. And I have to actually execute that in person. That's that's really cool. Those are that definitely sounds a lot better than if you were to be like, I'm on the phone with people all day. <laughs> yeah, I <really> <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know a lot of people are not fans of talking on the phone. Would you say you've always been a phone kind of person or did you have to overcome any kind of fear to get to the comfort level that you are now? I mean, honestly, I still struggle a little bit with phone anxiety. It's it's a common thing for a lot of people. They just do not want to talk on the phone. Um, and there's some days where I, I'm struggling mentally. Um, and I have, like, a, a worse anxiety one day compared to the other. And I just don't want to talk on the phone. I do struggle with that still. And it would depend on if I'm talking to a CEO versus a mom of a PTA organization, like there's different levels of power there that that can be intimidating at times. Um, And that does play into my phone anxiety. But I I do try to, um, like overcome it. It's a it's a mental battle every day, just reminding myself that they typically say no to the product, not me. And that's okay. And we hang up, it's over, 
on to the next one and that that really gets me through okay uh would you say a lot of your phone calls are cold calls or where do you get your network of people that you're placing phone calls to so when I first started I want to say it was like four years ago now I can't even remember Um, When I first started, they had a preset list of previous buyers in our CRM system, and I reached out to them. To me, it was a cold call. To them, they were a warm lead, um, meaning that they've already invested in one of our products, and it's my job to upsell them into a higher cost product. Um, so I did start with like a preset list of that. And then as my role evolved, um, we actually created the family show groups department, which didn't exist before I started. And that was strictly cold calling new daycare centers, new preschools, new young kids groups that weren't in our CRM system before. So I had to prospect that on Google, Yelp, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it, um, just reaching out and networking and building relationships from there, starting from the ground up. And so CRM stands for customer relationship management, correct? Yes. Yes. You'll see most of most of the live event venues in America, whether it's Prudential Center, Madison Square Garden, Staples Center, all the big ones, even the little ones have a CRM or a customer relationship management system, I'd say the vast majority are either Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics. Um, And that's a way for us to not only track our tasks, like how many calls we've made in a day or how many emails, but it's also a way for us to build reports on how our customers are engaging with us and what products they're buying. Okay. Um, so you typically use Salesforce, um, and how would you say that software works for your position? Yeah, um, well, there's like a lot of moving parts within Salesforce. I'll try to be as descriptive as I can. Um, so say I have to make a phone call, right? I will bring up this lead that I haven't contacted before. It'll have their name, company, phone, email, possibly website. And then from there, I dial out the phone number on my phone and ring, ring. We have a sales conversation. And then in that same page on Salesforce, I'm able to log a task called a call. Um, And I can type any notes I need from this phone conversation and then refer back to it um, for future conversations. Emails can be sent from this same page. So right now you're focusing on the New Jersey Devil sales. Your sales at this point would be looking to next season. Exactly. Yeah. Um, We're selling the future right now. Um, We don't have the schedule yet for the NHL next year. Um, Usually it's around the end of playoffs that the NHL releases the schedule. So at that point, we'll have a good picture as far as when next season starts. And then we're also working with the state and federal governments as far as 
you know, what should our return capacity look like? Do we start with fans? Do we start with a fraction of fans? Do we start with no fans? That's working with the local government agencies. Um, I know New Jersey was like really hit hard and the New York City area um, by the pandemic. So I think it's going to take a lot of comfortability before we're like in a full venue again. If we were to just pivot a little bit, um, when you were in school or looking to pick a career, how did you picture technology playing a role, if at all? Uh, That's really hard to say. Because when I was in school, um, I I wanted to be in sports. I knew that part as that's all I knew. Um, And I I thought that I would have a really good specialty in social media marketing. It was like the millennial thing to do. Um, We're all on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever. And I, I was on it all the time. I had a marketing job for the university in school. Um... And I got an internship with a sports team in Dallas um, and in the marketing department doing social media. And I didn't completely love it like I thought I would. I was on social media all day at work. And then I would go home and be on social media all night at home. And I'm like, this sucks. I'm on it all day. (laughs) Um, But I still loved the sports part. Um, And then I grew up also just selling door to door for Girl Scouts, for school, for the church, whatever. So I I really found a 4K in selling. And that's what made me kind of pursue a career in sales too. being able to merge the two, I thought would be really great. Um, And then just with the whole like 2001 to now internet age, um, the sales has really changed with email marketing in particular as well as um just the boom of social media we're in your face all the time trying to sell you a product um it's definitely helped me at least as far as uh, producing more sales i would definitely agree with that um and yeah (laughs) yeah so you set out knowing that you know you like the sports aspect and kind of where is your Mm -hmm. role in the the sports community um, weren't particularly looking to be one of the athletes. Um. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> not athletically gifted, but I do have a very competitive nature and I'm very loyal to my teams. So, yeah, you, you have uh, the appreciation for the sport, but not quite the skill level to be yeah. one of the players. <laughs> exactly. I, I understand that completely. Um. And so technology wasn't necessarily the push there. It was the other roles and technology has played a part just as technology's developed in general, you probably speak. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so knowing what you know now about how technology is playing a huge part in your success every day at work, um, would you have prepared for it differently if you had known, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever point. Um, would I have prepared for a role in sales differently? Yes. 
Um, I would have definitely tried to learn a little bit more about CRM management um, and being able to work at a, at an advanced level. Um, I took one class in college, which was a great foundation for the basics behind Salesforce. Um, 16 weeks was not enough to learn the actual software program. Um, so I would have definitely learned that more and tried to find a job in college that used it. Um, if I knew like this was what I was going to be doing after college, um, I would have definitely done that. And then I did spend a lot of time just learning about social media marketing in a way it was beneficial to me because I do still use social media for a business purpose to sell, but, um, just finding new ways to utilize it, um, in a more efficient and effective way that would have been really helpful. Yeah. Um, have you found any free resources or, um, even not free, but very relevant resources for you to learn more about Salesforce, whether it's, you know, YouTube Um, videos or anything like that. So not YouTube, but there was a program that I used in college called Linda that taught a lot about digital marketing. Um, It's L-Y-N-D-A. And it teaches anything from, search engine optimization where you can get your company or organization to appear first on Google when someone searches for a relevant product you sell. Um, That was really important to learn. Um, And then just knowing the correct avenues and channels to promote your product. Like if, if I'm trying to sell a product in the geriatrics industry, I'm not going to sell on TikTok. <laughs> you don't see grandparents using TikTok. But if I was to sell, um, I'm trying to think of another like really basic product. Um, Some kind of popular concert sell, ticket. Yeah, um, like a Justin Bieber ticket. Find out what um, channel Justin Bieber really promotes on I'd say probably Instagram and Twitter the most um and and you can as a company pay to advertise on pretty much any social media channel so yeah um knowing what avenue that concert performer uses the most is probably where you want to be spending your money yeah that that makes sense it seems fairly fairly intuitive but could still require some research behind it to actually find the accurate um option right um as marketers it's important that we're just keeping up with the trends in the industry um i i'm embarrassed to say but i still have not downloaded tiktok but i know about it um and i know what types of people will use TikTok. Like my parents don't use it. My parents use Facebook. So that just goes back to what I was saying, like know what products your consumers use and sell on those pro- on those uh, channels. I'm sorry, not products, channels. Yeah, channels, platforms. Um, exactly. You know, so many people are on social media. You just have to pinpoint exactly 
where they're spending their time. Mm -hmm. Would you say that the experience that you've had in technology in your current role and leading up to it um, has you interested in continuing tech learning technology and um, continuing I guess implementation of it as your roles grow yeah I mean I I really like um, trying new things out on Salesforce this summer we actually had optional team trainings um, where we could learn how to build like specific reports on Salesforce. And I think it's really cool to be able to predict when someone purchases something, how someone purchases something and how much of that they purchase. I think it's cool to be able to predict that. I get like a weird sense of exhilaration, (laughs) like knowing what people are going to do. It's like, slightly gambling on people but you're not putting money on it you're just testing your ability (laughs) to predict people the psychology application yeah Yeah, because consumers are very habit driven Um, so if you can learn their behavior learn their preferences you'll be able to predict what they want to do that's a huge part of marketers jobs is being able to predict and and be able to literally market um to these consumers and and be able to cause impulse decisions that cause them to buy something so you know your future is not necessarily undetermined but you're open but what right now in your current career stage would you say you're curious about yeah i mean it's there's like a few very specific things that i'm really interested in um i know in china and i believe one of the west coast venues they were going to start charging premium seat license for nba games um and then there was like a component of that where it would be like a vr setting where there's a camera strapped to like a courtside chair and people would pay a premium license for that they would have the rights to that seat no one sits in that seat but the game streams from that seat all across the world for that premium seat holder um that was something that was really cool and innovative um and i know it it, they could make a lot of money off of that in the nba um I don't know how that would work for the NHL since we have like glass seats. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of tough. Yeah. And that's (laughs) definitely a cool application right now when um, guests at events are limited. Yeah. So the NBA is also in playoffs right now. And that's actually something we tried out. They're all, all of the teams are playing in the Orlando bubble right now for the NBA playoffs and each team's season ticket members got uh, or at least I know it was the 76ers and while they were playing the Spurs I believe um, in like one of these random exhibition games before playoffs started they sent a Microsoft Teams link to all of their season ticket holders for the game 
you subscribed in. And then um, they had this weird, like, um, seating setup. I don't know how it worked exactly, but you were assigned to a specific seat each quarter um, from your Microsoft Teams profile. And it would, like, show just your, like, face and jersey that you're wearing. And it would project that onto like the screens in Orlando so it looks like it's a seated capacity of fans obviously virtually but all the players are able to see your face and they won't be able to interact with you like they would at a real game but um, they could see that you're cheering for them Um, I don't know like if some teams have tried like the wave with that or something (laughs) like throughout the stand but um that was something really cool and innovative that came up uh, just this past season. Um, and I've seen uh, some of the NBA games in playoffs uh, that they are having fans in the stands as far as like that virtual Microsoft teams setup. Um, that was something that we've never done before, at least in all my years of watching sports. Um being able to view it like that in a virtual capacity yeah that's that's crazy and it's it always amazes me what people come up with when the normal starts to be limited yeah absolutely um that was cool to see um you could only have like one person in the seats at a time that was like all that would project onto the the virtual seat but I saw like different people bringing like their dogs into the picture. <laughs> so that was cute to see yeah we all we all love to see dogs on video cameras these days when you're in the off virtual office and you get to see people pets yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's meetings that much better yeah. where would you recommend someone would start to look to just learn just some basics um, just like how to sell, I would, I would look at YouTube to begin with. Um, it's really just about establishing a relationship. If you can make a friend, you can make a sale. Um, a lot of people have a really negative, uh, connotation, I guess you could call it for sales and salespeople where it's all gimmicks. It's not a good deal. P- salespeople are pushy. Um, but that's really changed over the past few years. Um, salespeople are now like projected or they're, they're being displayed as more like relationship building, which is what we really are. At least that's what I've seen. Um, it's a journey for the customer and we, it's the salesperson jobs or it's the salesperson's job to make it as seamless, easy, efficient, and enjoyable of an experience as possible for the customer learn about who they are find out what they want sell it to them and then I keep saying execute it but it's really just about fulfillment of what they purchase yeah and I would say that's very true and I don't know if it's necessarily the younger generations and our appeal um but the your comment about making a friend, I feel that so just it's so truthful. 
that's how I feel on Instagram yeah. when you follow different groups and you know just the authenticity you see from people makes such a big difference absolutely yeah in a in a world that's becoming like more socially isolated with people just looking at their phones all the time um, it's important to be able to make a human connection um, and yeah I would go back and say that again if you're able to make a friend in person you can make a sale um, sales is about building relationships even after like you make that initial transaction with your customer it's important that you follow up with them find out how they like the product if it's something that's uh that's a durable good versus a non-durable good um find out how you can actually make them buy it again did they have a good experience with you as a salesperson or would they rather go to a competitor um, or would they rather just discontinue use of the product um, as a, a one-time purchase? Yeah. Or would they rather pay the fees at Ticketmaster? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's that's really, really helpful for sure. Um, yeah. Every industry is dependent on sales in order to thrive. It's how they make money. Um not every salesperson is going to be on the phones all the time. Sometimes it's the cashier at your local Dylan's. Um, <laughs> they still are selling products to you and making that transaction happen. Um, everyone has to sell themselves at some point. Um, but yeah, for anyone like interested in pursuing sales, I would say do it. Um, the first thing you have to sell is yourself um, in a job interview. So if you can do that, you can sell anything. When I asked you to be a guest on a podcast talking about women using technology, what was your initial reaction? Um, I, I don't really know <laughs> what to describe it as. I mean, I'm a woman. I use technology for my job. So I thought it was like really applicable to me. Um, like, I, I don't know if, uh, it was exactly what you were looking for. I, I think that was the first thing I was questioning was, um, does she mean like CRM tools and like transaction systems like Ticketmaster? <laughs> um, or is she talking more like Python, Java, HTML plus like that type of stuff? That is exactly the distinction I'm trying to make here. So many people think of technology as the computer science degree, the coding. People forget that today technology is literally every industry. It makes me really happy that you do recognize your role as technology or the use of your use of technology in your role. And the more people that realize they have the ability to apply technological skills in an industry they're excited about, the better it is for everyone because it just widens the opportunities that are out there. Right. Um, like when I was in college, I always thought of like technology. It's like um, the IT staff that you know, fixes your VPN if it disconnects or um, they set up the Wi-Fi at your workplace. But really, like, technology is needed for every capacity, every role at every company in every industry. 
someone is on a computer at all times for their job. Um, and like, that's, it takes technology to make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I could not do my job at all without technology. My job is technology. So if people are interested in connecting with you, where could they find you? So they can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way to, to get to me. Um, it's just Kristen Johnson 6. Okay, Kristen, I'll share your contact information in the link for this episode. Um, in case anyone wants to get in touch and ask about sales questions or even um, about tickets to events at the Prudential Center for group sales. Hit her up. Perfect. That sounds great. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me as a guest on the She Sparks Tech podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you and I'll catch up with you some other time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed learning about sales technology and software um, like I did. It was a little bit of deep dive into something new for me. Uh, I really think the importance of understanding software and having the confidence to explore new avenues is a great way to have influence in your career path. I will be posting a new episode every other week. So join in, subscribe, share. Um, I have a website coming soon and I am really excited to be on this journey with everyone. So thank you so much for tuning in. This was the She Sparks Tech podcast with Casey. Until next time, keep sparking tech.